0: Welcome to System Mastery, Maggot. It's the podcast that reviews games the way old people fuck. Today we're discussing Recon, a game so ugly it could be a modern art
1: masterpiece, and we're gonna review it. We're gonna review it so good and so squared away that the Virgin Mary herself will be proud to go in there and take a dump. We got your names, listeners. We got your ass. You will laugh. You will cry. You will learn by the numbers and I will teach you about Recon on system mastery
2: welcome back to system mastery Oh my gosh, John! Thank you so much for that intro. You're so welcome. That's a that's a powerful Ar It's a pretty good Arlie Ermy. I wouldn't. I don't know. It's exactly like. No, him, but no. It, it really conveys the flavor the way I was hoping. I'm not. I'm not angry enough at the world to really do an Arlie Ermy, but I can get in there. Yeah, no. You're you're definitely up there comp- competing, and that's a tough voice to do. Oh, it, it is very difficult. Yeah, I'll tell you. The other thing that's super tough is trying to condense Full Metal Jacket lines from Gunnery Sergeant Hartman down without getting all the homophobic ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some of them that are... The one where he's like, I bet you're the kind of man who would fuck a guy in the ass without the courtesy of giving him a reach around is... Yeah, that's... I mean, that's a great insult. It's a great insult. It's a, It's. It's still a little homophobic, but at least it's, like, understandingly homophobic. I don't know. What to, I don't know. I don't think it's really homophobic. I think it's just like, you're an asshole, yeah. man. <laughs> you're the type of dude that would just
1: care about your own pleasure and no one else's. That's true. Yeah. It's, uh...
2: Man, it, that's such a weird movie. It's
1: a very strange
2: movie, given mm-hmm. the
1: odd split between the beginning and end of it.
2: Yeah, no, the rest of it's going to be about like people actually going to Vietnam and doing stuff, and not the people you're used to. Weird movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus, if you watch the extended edition, well, you know, don't. <laughs> Don't, 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 unless you like a lot of plantation scenes. Mmm, plantations. Mmm, <clears throat> plantains. Mm. So, uh, we are, as you can probably guess, discovering, for, or discussing Recon, the role-playing I movie. mean, we also I, discovered We recon. discovered it. No one else has seen it before. <laughs> We're breaking new ground. We've renamed Recon Jeff and John Landia. <laughs> We've gotten rid of all of the natives there, and now it's just ours. <laughs> the indigs are gone. Ugh. So, Recon is a 1982 role-playing game. Uh, So, that's going to be real early. And, indeed, it is one of those games that's kind of... Where they hadn't quite finished separating the blurred lines between war game and role-playing game yet.
1: Yeah, there's... I mean, you can really see how early it is in that it doesn't quite know how to be what it wants to be. Like, there's... There hasn't really been the rules that are so established that when you get into the 90s, you just see everything very rigidly similar because all of these ideas had been sort of codified. Yeah. But in these early 80 ones, it's just the fucking Wild West. And I was nobody just, knows what they're
2: doing. I was just thinking about the Wild West and specifically in terms of notational like shorthand, because this book uses percentile dice for everything. But the D10, having not been invented for another year, uh, didn't exist. So he was still rolling on those D20s that have two D10, or two sets of 1 to 10 printed on them. And uh, his notation for how to roll percentile in this game is roll 2D100. Yeah, and I understand what he's getting at. He's like, oh, it's
1: two dice, and it equals 100, so two dice, 100. Okay, that makes sense, 2D100, but when you see it... Anyone who has played any modern game since like 1990 is going to look at that and go, "Wait a minute! I'm rolling
0: and
2: between he's... two and 200. What am yeah. I? What? This is weird. What are you? What are you talking about?" But that's just the way that he notated things because he made them up himself. And this book is so chummy. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a short book. It's only like 45, 46 pages long, but it is very dense, very column. uh col- oh, yeah, it's three columns per page. Yeah, super dense format. The art is. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but but uh, it's so chummy. He just starts out with like, hi, this is my book. Welcome to it. Why don't you come on in? Settle down. It's like it, it's less of a book and more of like a, a Christmas special on TV. It feels very much like this was a thing he was writing for friends.
1: Mm-hmm. And then someone was like, hey, why don't you publish it? Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't have that like professional veneer that even a lot of like self published things would have later on, because again there wasn't really much to emulate at this point. So it really is just him going, "Like, hey, I wrote a game. I hope
2: you like it. Here it is. I think you should do this." I mean, but that's me. It takes it's maybe about two pages before he hits the first time where. It feels ultra- I mean, it's it's ultra-chummy from the very beginning, but there's a point about two pages in where he's like, hey, you might want miniatures for this game. Oh my god, that was one of the most amazing things to me,
1: because he's talking about the game, and he's like, oh, you know, you can kind of just do this sort of without a map. You don't really need to worry about that too much. You can kind of just play it by ear, but if you do want to use a map, and you want to get some actual Vietnam... Uh, looking miniatures, then call my buddy. Here's his home address,
2: yeah. and ask lists- him to make you some dudes. <laughs> he just lists some guy. They're like The second page is like, hey, call my friend Frank. He makes miniatures. Here's his address. You know, you can't look up a... Ca- it's 1982, so you can't, like, you know, look him up or anything, and I don't even think he makes a catalog, but just send him a letter and ask him for some guys. They'll probably send you a price.
1: Yeah, I was... Just floored by the idea of I'm gonna put out a book that people will buy and it just has some dude's address and he's like, Yeah, just go, hey man, can I get a couple uh like dudes like I want one dude like prone, mm-hmm. and if I could get another dude who's like he's got a knife and then the guy would just send you back, sure
2: man. Yeah. Send me some bucks. This or, is how much it will be. I will send them to you, COD, because that's the thing that still happens on this day and age. Man. But yeah, that was definitely one of those things where I'm like, ooh, ooh, that doesn't happen. Ooh, why don't you give me your phone number? I'll call you on one of those giant Bakelite cell phone or uh, cell phones. I still say cell phone. I can't not do it now. Oh. One of those giant Bakelite home phones with a curly wire. Hell yeah. Mm. The thing weighs 45 pounds and is a color best described as... this is definitely the
1: color we have named shrug
2: (laughs) i guess (laughs) check out our fabulous sears catalog of cell phones 1982 editions in colors such as shrug i guess and yeah (laughs) uh (laughs) almost black on your wall (laughs) good enough and more. So many more. So many more at Team Kia of El Cajon. Oh, I think that might be too inside baseball. It's our, very inside for, baseball. For, for our, like, four San Diego listeners that's, who listen to the radio, that's who that joke was for. Oh, my God. The Team Kia of El Cajon spokesman guy just yells every word individually and it is amazing. He gets very far away from his microphone to do that job. and it's. But we've both been taking turns yelling like him, all kinds of things <laughs> for days now, because we recently completed a road trip. Yeah, we um, went up to do the D&D live. Yeah, and the driving out of Los Angeles involved hearing a lot of a guy yelling about Team Kia of El Cajon. And, I mean, good job on him. Not only did it stick in our heads, but now we're talking about it. Used to, yeah, and you know what? I already drive a Kia that I'm pretty sure was purchased at one point from Team Kia of El Cajon.
1: Yeah, I mean, so. I will
2: never buy a Kia ever personally. <laughs> I wouldn't. I I would buy whatever I, I needed. A I needed a daddy wagon so I could drive a baby. Yeah, around. you did. Yeah, I
1: need that daddy wagon.
2: <laughs> Call me for some of that down low daddy wagon action. <laughs> Discreet. Uh... Hey, you up? Daddy Wagon calling. <laughs> daddy Wagon. I just have you
1: as Daddy Wagon in the phone. Oh my god.
2: <laughs> well, I think I just found my new nickname, everybody. <laughs> uh, uh. that sounds so much sexier than soccer mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> so yeah, we just finished this big fun road trip up to do the D&D Descent live event and hang out in Los Angeles. Uh Where we both had to spend... Well, I had to spend time sitting around in the Airbnb reading Recon. Yeah, you did. I finished it early. Yeah, good for you. You don't have a kid. I'm glad. I'm (laughs) I'm very happy that one of us doesn't, so I can make you do work while I'm doing dad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this is a Vietnam War simulator RPG. I think this might be the longest that's ever taken to say what the game is. It was written by a guy named Joe Martin... Uh, It came out in 82. The the edition that we are reading is an 83 re-release. The only thing they really added was a GM screen, kind of a referee guide.
1: Yeah, it's not like they updated the rules at all or anything. No,
2: This is very clearly a first draft. There's a lot of mistakes in here. Uh, Now,
1: in addition to the whole, like, very chummy talking to a person aspect of it, you can also tell that this guy really is more interested in like, Vietnam from a historical perspective than the
2: idea of, like, oh, this is a thing people will want to play in. Yeah, no, this is definitely a person whose first interest is Vietnam history, and his second interest is role-playing games. This is like if you had my had my dad write an airplane role-playing game. Like, because like, he's an aircraft historian, like an editor of a magazine about airplanes and junk. If you're like, Dad... If I were like, I mean, if you were like dad. you're Yeah, dad, if I was like dad. Yeah, dad, write a role-playing game. He'd be you, like, all right. Why are you calling me dad? <laughs> you haven't called me dad in years. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, obviously, in your case, you'd be speaking to your own dad. No, I would, I would be speaking to your dad saying, hey, dad. Oh, that happens to him all the time. He's just like me. We, we're we from the same, we're cut from the same cloth. We are both natural born daddy wagons. <laughs> yeah. He's like, get on the wagon. <laughs> yeah. I understand what you're coming. Hop in the wagon. <laughs> get in the way back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you get that seat where you get to face backwards. <laughs> oh, the best seat in a car. Unless you get sick from it. Well. Uh, but like, I, but he's so focused on, like, minutiae about airplanes that the role-playing game he would make would be immensely boring. Yes. But extremely realistic. <laughs> yeah. And it also very much,
1: like we had mentioned, feels like this person had come from the tabletop wargaming
2: where well he had to have there's nowhere else to have come from. Oh this, yeah, certainly.
1: it's very hard to have been like oh I was super into role playing games from way back. You'd ha- you would have come from the wargaming and that aspect means that more of it is based on like oh here's like terrain and missions and things you would go on. And nowadays, if someone were to make a game like this, I feel like you would be much more
2: focused on the horrible psychological trauma and atrocities. Yeah, imagine a a modern-day Vietnam game would be so hard to make because, well, first of all, you wouldn't be allowed to even make it if you weren't Vietnamese because the the internet... Oh, I mean, you'd be allowed to make it. It just... Would occasionally get backlash from people. Oh, oh, you get so much back. You're right. You're right. But you, uh, uh, your standard white guy Kickstarter owner could easily make it and be like, I didn't even think about that. I assumed a success. <laughs> oh, that's weird. I didn't even think I shouldn't be telling this story. Whoopsie doodles. Uh, but yeah, nowadays it'll be all about like psychological torment, the fear of returning home. Oh, yeah. I mean, Either way that you wanted to look at it, whether it was from like the GI position
1: or the Viet Cong, either way, Mm -hmm. you're just looking at these horrible circumstances. But the way he deals with this is just like, oh, you're just dudes out there doing missions and (laughs) have fun turkey shooting all them them indigs. And you're like, okie dokie.
2: Oh, boy. That stuff still flies in 82, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. The fact that he would manage to publish this in 82 and he's just like, I don't care. Did you know that there is a picture in this book labeled Luke the Gook? I was wondering who was
2: going to have to say that first. (sighs) Yeah,
1: it is. Man, and it is a full page. It's a full page
2: art project that's extremely bad. It
1: is one page. So you're like scrolling through this PDF that we have and you get to that page and you're just like, Wow, I just have to uh, sit yeah. here with it, because there's nothing else on this
2: page. Thanks, man. Hey, attention, our buddy Daniel over at Asians Represent. This is the game you want to read and feel bad about, or not like, angry about, get real mad about, because, oh my gosh, does this ever cross all the lines? Yeah. So, uh, anyway... Yeah, it, it really feels like he had very little interest in storytelling and a lot more, like, storytelling feels like an afterthought in this game. Like, he his his goal is, I'm going to put down everything I can about what it's like to be a squad of soldiers, uh, but it's all going to be very, by, like, literally by the numbers. Well, yeah, because most of the things you're looking at is like, oh,
1: this is what the terrain was like. This is how many of these type of people were in this area. This is the kind of vehicles they used here. Yeah. This is the kind of resistance you might find. These are what, like, officers would do. So it's all of this information, but nothing about playing in that world as much as it's just information about what is around you.
2: Well, and a lot of it boils down to him just rattling off details that are sort of vaguely gamified. Like, imagine if you were just reading some World War II documentary footage, like, like trivia, like, and in, in... uh in 1941, of course, Pearl Harbor was attacked. If you change that to in 1939 plus a D4, Pearl Harbor was attacked. <laughs> you'd have the basic concept of how this game is largely played. Uh, so so characters, are, you're supposed to play as GI soldiers, but but you can also play as three different branches of the Viet Cong if you would like to. Yeah, and the
1: the general idea is less that... You are just a squad of grunts, and instead you are all recon like recon teams you yeah. are out there you're you know you're in the seals you're recon whatever you are you're out there and you are super badass specialists
2: well if we're talking about things in this game that were done right or done well that that's that's got to be the first thing that gets brought up is the uh he actually directly confronts a problem that you routinely see in military fetish games uh head on where he's like hey normally if you wanted to play as a Vietnam platoon or something that's like 80 like so many guys, and you're not going to have that many guys at your table. And I don't want everyone to have to control a bunch of guys. This isn't a war game, uh. So I used recon squads because those are usually like four to six guys who are out there to do one very specific thing and not just sort of hang out in the jungle and kill dudes. So and then he goes right on from that into another great idea, which is just like the rank, the rank system. He's like, don't worry about rolling for rank because or using XP to determine what your rank eventually gets to because that'll lead to like. Five generals wandering around in the...
1: Yeah, I mean, that's sort of what we've seen in... Both regular military and anytime you were like, oh, this is sci-fi military games. All those Warhammer
2: likes that we've re- reviewed over the years always do that. Roll yeah. for your rank. And then you're going to be like, what's in your group? Oh, I got two lieutenants, an admiral, and a general, and they're a team of marines, I guess. Yeah, you're like, why do I have a group of, like, five colonels yeah. all going out on a mission together? Yeah, and the mission is, specific, like, go shoot with guns and stuff instead of, like, you know, commanded troops.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. It, and so the fact that he was like, look, you're all going to be... Basically, the same, and you're not going to worry about going up in rank with XP. Mm-hmm. Basically, just look at it as whoever has the most XP, you'll probably rely on as being the one who is the most experienced, mm-hmm. but no one's going to be like pulling rank on anyone.
2: Yeah, he's like in the jungle, rank kind of falls apart, and they just go by who's in front, and that's the best way to do it because otherwise it, it creates logical inconsistencies. Which, you know what, that's more or less right. I kind of wish that had stuck around in, in the gaming world instead of the weird rank rolling systems that we've encountered on a number of occasions.
1: Yeah, for the amount of very bad ideas that happen that we will get into in this mm-hmm. book, that is probably the one where you're like, oh, look at you. You did something. Mm-hmm. Look, broken clock. You're the right time.
2: <laughs> well, I just wanted to give that credit where it was due because it happens pretty early. Uh, the Initially, he's just like, hey, imagine if you could play a game that's ba- that's like Dungeons and Dragons, but set in Vietnam, uh, except that there aren't character classes in this world. Instead, you might have characters who are like a griper. We call them belly acres. Or you might have someone who's like a paranoid type. And he just lists like all these different like personality traits for soldiers, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's a. A lot of this book is the writer wanting to show
1: that he knows military jargon for things. Yeah,
2: specifically this era's military jargon.
1: Yeah, and not just like, oh, I know what they call certain weapons or, you know, what you call a helicopter or whatever. But also, like, here are terms they would use for certain soldiers, what they would call certain things. And he will use that. All of the time, and then put a little parenthesis, uh, this is what it actually means.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he likes talking in the jargon. Uh, I don't know if he himself is actually a Vietnam vet, maybe, but anyway, we get a lot of forgettable military jargon that I'm I'm not enough of i I'm more of an airplane guy than a military guy, and he is obviously the opposite, because airplanes in this book do not get descriptions or types. No. Whenever he mentions them, he's just like, air support might come through and strafe the following five squares. And I'm like, come on, man, mention a Phantom or a Huey or something. And he's, oh, that, man, that, he doesn't that, give a fuck about that's, that. That's what I know, know is soldiers. And that's it. Lerp soldiers and SOG soldiers and Myrtle Burble
0: and
1: Myrtle Beach.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess it was a regular thing during Vietnam for groups of from different military blocks to kind of hook up together. And yeah, they just hooked, hooked up. up. They just daddy wagoned it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, they called it the Denang Daddy Wagon. <laughs> Please
1: don't, please don't call it that. <laughs> uh, oh so um, uh, so yeah, the game only has three stats, and the way
2: in which you get your stats is you are going to roll two d one hundred. <laughs> You're going to roll percentile, not two d one hundred. Eh. His weird shorthand is is belongs in the in the in the bins of history. But you're going to
1: get a percentile, and that's what your percentage is in that stat. Done. And the three of them are strength, agility, and alertness. And he does have a thing where he's like, oh, if your total is under 100, you can re-roll your character. Yeah. yeah. The problem with that being, you can either have, like, three stats in the 30s, or you could end up having, like, oh, I've got one stat that's, like... Pretty good, it's a 60, I've
2: got a 40 and another, and then a 2 and a different stat. Well, I mean, I just, that, that adds up to 102, but still. Yeah, and that's why you can't reroll oh, it. Oh, you're right, you're absolutely right. Yeah, he's, he's you can easily make a character that sucks balls. Yeah. That's a, that's not a problem, though, because he does not seem to care especially much about the soldiers that you make. There's points where he recommends trashing them and building new ones all the time. Or, or sometimes, if you... It, if your soldier can't go on a mission for whatever reason he's like don't throw that one away and make a new one keep that one because who cares maybe he'll play another game where he will qualify yeah the the game at least is
1: like yeah you know if you make a character and they're garbage well it's vietnam they're probably gonna take a bullet at some point so fuck it who cares yeah but the fact that he was putting in this he had the idea of oh you might get Way too shitty. So you have to at least have 100 points worth in your character. But then didn't want to have, like, some sort of bell curve system where he's like, yeah, if you roll a one, you still get a 30% in something. And if you roll a 100, you don't have a 100. You have, like, an 80. I mean,
2: I don't want to. Say that game designers in the early eighties didn't know what they were doing because they uh, didn't. They, well, some <laughs> of them did. Is the thing the bell curve was well established by that point? D and D had it, and that came out in nineteen seventy four. Uh, they they knew the point of the bell curve. It's just that a lot of designers seem to have it, it, like a lot of things that nowadays are completely ingrained as like base level game design stuff. Uh, that stats kind of actually fit to an array, or it, it should be easy to manage. So you don't have to c- constantly deal with the threat of rolling a, a bizarrely terrible character. Uh, those things just don't seem to be like 101 in older stuff.
1: No. The idea that you might have a character that is garbage is just sort of a thing they can assume because at that point, I mean, you you definitely see it in this when he's talking about the soldiers, but even in like old D&D and things like that, there was no real idea that you would get attached to a character no, as much true, as yeah. to a game.
2: The meat grinder was a real thing.
1: So all of this basically means that they don't care if you're garbage because they're like, well, you'll either lean into one of your strengths and just be that. Like, if you end up saying, like, oh, my agility is crap. I can't shoot anything. Mm-hmm. But if you have a good alertness, they'll just go, okay, you're the point man. You're the one looking out for booby traps, whatever. Yeah. Or you're the radio
2: operator. You're the only one who can call in airstrikes and stuff.
1: Yeah. yeah. They They do at least say... You know, there's other things you can do outside of being a shoots man. Yeah. Now, to be the the problem is, if you have a shitty alertness, you're just going to be dead because almost everything is
2: alertness based. I was just about to say that exact thing. Yeah. So of the three stats, strength doesn't do anything really except determine what your hit points are and whether or not you can wield some of the heavier weapons. Yeah. And a little bit of extra damage in melee. But who gives a shit? No one's using it's Vietnam. No one's using melee. I mean, I guess they are in desperate situations.
1: Yeah. You know, if you really want to stab someone with a bayonet or something, I guess.
2: Yeah, but uh, alertness is everything. Agility is basically like how fast can you go and... And how good you are at shooting. Yeah, how how's your aim? And then alertness is everything else. Yeah,
1: almost all of your skills, because alertness, in addition to being your perception, is sort of almost your intelligence. Yeah. So, so much stuff is just alertness checks on things whether it's finding a trap finding out where you're going navigating things telling where you're supposed to be reading a map whatever it is yeah,
2: like reading the intent of villages or uh, people you meet in villages in, in uh in the forest is like oh are these people going to rat me out to to local gorilla bands uh <sighs> th- that's an alertness role are they going to rat me out to the gorillas are they going to rat me out to gorilla Grodd? <laughs> Local Gorilla Band Gorillas. (laughs) Are they going to rap me out to the local gorillas? (laughs) Oh, no. Noodle is after us. So, the... (sighs) Also, you know, 2D and Murdoch. Thanks. The... (laughs) Russell. Name a Russell. And the new one. They had to add a new one because Russell's in jail, I think. Yeah. Bubble. Yeah. Yeah, Dingus. Wait, what? (sighs) Sorry? The Hornus. The Dingus... Of the Horned No, they added What's-His-Face from... Uh, yeah, I don't care. ...from the Powerpuff Girls. Literally, one of the, a villain from the Powerpuff I, Girls is now a member of the Gorillas. Yeah, I don't care. You don't? Yeah, I don't, you don't give a find single that fuck. A, you don't find that a fascinating bit of cultural ephemera?
1: No, I don't. I really don't. Okay. I could not begin to give less of a shit about the Gorillas because this isn't ten years ago. They put out an
2: album like two years ago, and it was really good. And no one gave a fuck about it. Uh, Okay, well...
1: Yeah! Needlessly negative. That's me, baby. This this this
2: isn't the usual, John. That's the new me. Oh, no.
1: I'm back from L.A., and now I'm only interested in the industry.
2: You got got the wrong impression. We even met with an industry friend. Yeah. And uh, that is not the impression I picked up from talking (laughs) to her. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so in addition to
1: your randomly rolled stats everything else is going to be to one degree or another very random
2: yeah your height your weight
1: you yeah you've got your base stats that you'll random roll for height and weight but how many skills you start with is random you roll a d10 and look at a chart and it Mm -hmm. tells you you know if you roll a one you get a whole bunch of skills and if you roll a 10 you are just a horrible little shithead yeah you're like <laughs> what can you do i can shoot a rifle and i've got like two other
2: skills i mean i understand why they did that because you know some people were t- some people went to vietnam on purpose and some people did not yeah but those people weren't in the fucking seals that is a big problem yeah the idea that you're part of a seal team or a lerp team or whatever that's like oh we're we're crazy uh, strong extraction teams, and our whole thing is that we go into the into the like, jungle, like we're gonna parachute in and then yeah. fucking
1: under the cover of darkness assassinate some general. You're like, yeah, they didn't take some fucking boot and go, "Here you go,
2: you can go with the rest of these badasses." All right, welcome to Alpha Company. It says here your name is Joey Slowboat. <laughs>
0: That's me. I'm Joey Slobo. I'm just happy to be here doing part for America. I'm from Wisconsin.
2: <laughs> and uh, Joey, what are what are your skills that you have?
0: I have a gun, <laughs> and I have eczema. <laughs> I don't normally list that under skills, <laughs> but it is true. I you're, do. <laughs> you're very imposing. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I
1: understand the trope of like the new blood going into a group but that is very much more about the like squad just grunt troops than it really is about the things that this game is about yeah so the fact that they have like half of the characters that you would be playing just kind of be garbage is very weird
2: hey maybe uh maybe that's how those teams actually were during viet like they they ran out of actual elite special forces <laughs> Yeah, real early. that's what happened yeah.
1: They're like, "Well, we ran out of elite forces, so general is going to put some new guys on your team. We've got a hamster, he's in a ball. We've got a uh, very smart dog. We got this dude with lots of gold chains
2: all over him, calls himself DA Derrickus.
0: <laughs> and uh, and then we got this guy. Hi, I'm Joey Slowboat. I have a gun and eczema. And eczema." <laughs> I finally got them eggs. <laughs> I left the house for eggs and ended up in Vietnam. Oops, sorry, everyone. But if you need some eggs or eczema cream, I am here for you. This sure is a long way from a walk. <laughs> uh, I assume maps are not one of my skills. <laughs> I do not have navigation as a skill. <laughs> Uh Oh, but that's pretty much
2: the character you end up with, except instead of what you'd think when you hear SEAL Team or, or, oh, they're the stealth alphas or whatever. Yeah. Uh,
1: In addition to that, in probably the worst move I've seen in a while in a skill system, which is, of course, my baby and what I love to see when someone fucks up a skill system (laughs) this this badly. This one's really weird. So, they split skills up into pretty much combat, -combat, non-combat, your small arms and uh, like mortars and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, All of the weapons are their own skills. Mm -hmm. And the way it works is you roll a base percentage in that skill. So, every single person has to have... Uh, proficiency
2: with a rifle. Yeah. So you roll for that, and you roll (laughs) 2D100. That that magic number, 2D100 for percentile.
1: And that's what your base percentage is. There is no re-roll on this. Mm -hmm. If you
2: manage to roll like a three, then you are... The world's worst shot with, with specifically a rifle, because the next thing you might do is roll your pistol skill and get an 88. Yeah. You might
1: just be like, oh, no, it's just rifles for some reason. They They weird me out. Yeah. But then every rank you get in that skill will add 5% onto your
2: base. Yes. And also so, having ranks in similar skills will add 5% onto your base with that skill. Uh, so if you're like, for example, I'm really good with the Kalashnikov brand of Uzi, but then I pick up the Mac 10 brand of Uzi, uh, I also add 5% to my old Kalashnikov skill because they're similar, I guess.
1: And you can train with specific ones to give you better bonuses. Mm -hmm. So if you have a gun that's like, this is my gun, there are many like it, but this one is mine. Yes. Then you have a better chance to hit with it. Even if you use the exact same model, if it's not the one that you are used to using, then you don't get your bonus on that one.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: Uh, the way the non-combat skills work is they all go off of one of your stats, mm-hmm. and then each
2: rank adds plus 5% onto whatever the roll for that would be. And if you don't have the skill, you don't have the skill. There's no rolling untrained. Um, and in fact, a lot there's very, there's very strong restrictions on a number of the skills in this game. Because one of the other things you're going to get is
1: your modus operandi. I don't know what he calls it, but it's, it's M.O.s. It's M.O.s. Okay.
2: Uh, it's, it's means of service or whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you pick two. One is your primary. One is your secondary. Yeah. And it's all things like I'm the machine gunner or the pig man. I'm sorry, that's the pig man. I'm the pig man or I'm the
2: radio operator i'm the point man or whatever you happen to be yeah they all have fun nicknames like the pig man and good time charlie and the daddy wagon (laughs)
0: Uh,
2: sigh ain't i a scamp (laughs) anyway and
1: a lot of the skills are gated behind some of these mos's so if you want to have uh a skill in interrogation Mm -hmm. or something like that, then you have to be in intelligence. So if one of your MOSs isn't in army intelligence, you just can't get certain skills. Now
2: everyone in your, in your crew is going to pick an MO and a secondary MO. Yeah. uh, Now,
1: usually the secondary ones are
2: just sort of like, uh, I can, I don't know, demolitions or something. I know how to bomb a dude. There's two MOs that are, or MOSs or whatever you want to call them that are, specifically secondaries, and then almost never is someone on a SEAL team primary from those MOs. And one of those is Demolitions, and the other one is, like, I think, uh Scout? Or- yeah, Scout. Yeah. Uh the- So those two, you almost always want someone to pick up through secondary. This is really weird. This is an interesting bit of the game's design. Uh If there are two people on the team with MOs that are the same MO, then the, or MOSs, then the one who's the whose primary is that, even if they're worse at it, they're the one who gets to do all that stuff first.
1: Yeah. So if you've got someone who's like, no, I'm primary demolitions for some reason, mm-hmm. and that guy's secondary, and his ability to use a bomb is like 85%, but mine is 32, boy, howdy, I get first crack at setting that bomb.
2: It's mostly just to get ready early so they can have a real demolitions, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's it's like hey pick your skills out but be careful hey you pick them out because sometimes you you will literally not be allowed to use them during the mission that's the way it's written it's like hey if you're uh if your secondary is machine gun guy but there's a primary machine gun guy on the team you can't use your machine gun because well, the team has a machine gun guy
1: exactly they're like well we only requisitioned one giant machine gun yeah and it's fucking with Jesse Ventura so you don't get one i'm sorry <laughs> that's true <laughs> uh
2: it's just I thought my thing was guns. No, I am sorry. Your thing was swords, and (laughs) now I see you're also doing guns. Uh, Yeah, so there are about eight MOSs to choose from. You pretty much just need to discuss it with your team when you're picking them. Anyway, yeah, the the basic premise is you really want to discuss with your team who's needed. And also, since you've already figured out who's needed on your team when your character dies, you should probably just bring that same character right back in. Pretty much, yeah. Um,
1: I mean, unless, of course, you're like, oh, I'll bring that character back
2: in. Oops, I rolled like shit for that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, in which case, you still bring him right back in, and you just run right onto the first landmine. You see. Uh,
0: hey, <laughs> I'm <a> coming. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Poor Joey Slowboats has really taken a lot of punishment in this episode.
1: Joey, uh, Joey Slowboat, <laughs> man, that guy, <laughs> he's
2: resilient, though. He's got the heart of a champion. <laughs> He's got the eyes
0: of a tiger. <laughs> he can make it on his own. I'm out here. I'm going to do good for my country. <laughs> okay.
2: Uh, so the, the MOSs are pretty simple. Once you once you buy a first rank in a skill, you just get whatever you're... Because each one of them is tied to one of the primary stats. So if you're like, oh, I would like intelligence. It's tied to alertness, and then it adds five per rank of that skill that you purchase with ability or with the number of skills that you have been given.
1: Now, there are... an ass load of skills in here Mm -hmm. and (laughs) you are going to have probably at most like seven outside of your weapon skills like the non-combat skills you
2: might have a few there's quite a few skills in this game that are going to go unused well basically
1: yeah and granted a lot of these skills
2: have a lot of like subclass skills in them mm, like like there's a whole section on desert survival for if you're playing in a game that isn't set in the Vietnamese jungles where it's like desert survival includes the sub skill resist mirages <laughs> I'm not kidding that's that's
0: oh, in there. I know it's, yeah.
2: there's a
1: there's a lot of things that at least with the sub skill ones so if you take a certain skill with a lot of sub skills you can use the sub skills but if you want to get better at those, you have to then individually increase their rank.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think my favorite thing I found in the skill system while built, well, flipping through them was the using an unfamiliar weapon stuff. <laughs> uh, for, so for example, if your character has been running around with the same, this is his rifle, this is his gun, uh, and shooting it for the whole time, and then he finds he loses that gun and picks up another one to shoot it, uh, that's a similar enough gun, then he's going to operate at a minus ten percent penalty for a while. Oh yeah, that's what I was saying before. Yeah. Uh, but here's where it gets interesting. If your character is running around and finds an interesting new weapon that is similar to a weapon he already uses, but he still has his original weapon that he uses, he gets a minus 15%. And it is explicitly spelled out that the additional 5% is for doing something stupid.
1: Yeah. It's like, oh, but you already know how to use this rifle, and if you pick up some machine gun that you aren't normally good with, well... Not only do you get the minus 10% because fuck you, but another five because your
2: regular rifle's right there. Come on, dummy. Use the regular rifle. And I'm like, you know what? The only reason I can forgive this guy is because it's 1982 and I don't think Contra had come out yet. (laughs) Because otherwise he'd know that you grabbed the fucking spread. (laughs) Uh, You spread the fucking grab. Yeah, you grab spread. And if someone else on your team already has spread and you're like, I guess I got to take the other thing, then you get that motherfucking laser. Get them beams. You don't want that fucking fireball one. That, that's trash. Machine gun, I get. I mean, I no, don't no, 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 no <laughs> care about <for> machine gun. <laughs> Krillin doesn't have any power. <laughs> no, I'm just a healer. Yeah. Just I'm just Joey Slowboats. Yeah. I don't have any power. But the flamethrower's bad. You get that spread. You pick that up. I don't care if you have a regular gun you start the game with. You pick out that spread. Yeah. Now, <laughs> you get your skills. And at that point,
1: you're pretty much done as far as. Your character is concerned.
2: The equipment you're going to get is basically given to you. You're in the military. It's given to you to go kill Vietnamese guys with. Yeah. You
1: don't really have to worry about money. You don't have to worry about what equipment you're going to get. Whatever you are sent to do. They'll give you what they think is necessary for that.
2: And what you're sent to do is very randomized. And the whole game is mostly just a series of tables towards the back. They're like, roll this to see if you find any villages or booby traps. Yeah. The
1: entirety of this game is set up as... I want to say the idea behind it is sort of okay. Yeah. Because the way he wants to set it up is you're going to get random encounters with things. So maybe you find like some random dude hunting out in the woods or maybe you find a blockage on the river that you're boating up or something like that. And in the chart, there's always a small chance that whatever thing you've rolled, instead of it
2: being just a benign, whatever the thing is, it's actually a trap. Lots of actually trap and lots of on a, it's all out of the the uh, the GM or whatever the, I forget what they call them in the the MD, the MD. MD It's all out of the MD's hands. What's going to happen to you? Uh, like for example, one of the things you can roll in a random jungle encounter is two hunters that are carrying a hog strapped between them on a bamboo pole. Uh, then once you encounter them, you roll an additional D ten, and if if that roll is a ten, then they will rat you out to nearby Viet Cong uh, gorillas.
1: Yeah, the. The whole thing, I understand, is supposed to be, you never know who you can trust. You have to be on edge all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand that at least in his random encounter scenarios, he wanted to somewhat emulate that paranoia that you were going to have. Oh, yeah. And the the
2: difficult decisions. The like, oh, I just encountered like two... hunters out in the jungle, should I murder them because they might go tell the Viet Cong about me is the kind of question that people in Vietnam were actually asking themselves. And that's, it's a fucked up thing,
1: and the fact that the game really only does anything with it as randomized tables Mm -hmm. rather than something that it wants to address is I mean, I guess good job on trying to put it in, but man... It feels very lacking when you look at it and you go, "Yeah, the horrible nonsense that went on is being reduced to, like, 20 different 1D10 tables.
2: Yeah. There's there's a thing in modern gaming that a lot of the really angry OSR groggy type guys are super mad about, uh, and it's a shorthand piece. And I forget which game it's specifically leveled at, but it's called the Infinite Bear Problem. Um, I don't know if you've heard about this at all. mm it's basically just, oh, it's a fail-forward mechanic. Uh, If you try to pick a lock uh, and you fail, it, it doesn't necessarily not open the door. It just, maybe it alerts a nearby uh, creature and you have a random encounter that happens. And then the OSR angry folk community says, well, that means that you're randomly generating bears. And then anytime you lock and unlock a door, it generates a bear. And you could generate an infinite number of bears by locking and unlocking that door. And where are these bears coming from? Stupid. Explain that. Wow. And I'm like, okay, that's not only is that incredibly dumb but it's not a new feature of modern game design like this game has you encounter some some uh people gathering water at a river in the jungle on a on a 1 in 10 they will run off and alert the Viet Cong about you the nearby Viet Cong that magically exists because you encounter these folks by a river like up until now there there was no Viet Cong near you you were you were doing fine but this encounter generates that encounter
0: yeah it's so and and that's from 1982 yeah no
1: the that idea, having now just heard it, is real stupid, and uh fuck 'em fuck everyone who believes in
0: that, that's yeah. dumb as
2: shit, yeah, yeah, I don't wanna lose listeners over the whole o s r thing, but until someone can actually give me a credible decision uh, uh like definition of what it stands for that isn't uh it's not a game I don't like, then you know fuck the whole thing,
0: Meh.
1: Nah. uh So in addition to the random tables and all this nonsense, the game also gives over kind of an oddly large amount of book space, given that this is like 45 pages long, Mm -hmm. to the idea of being mercenaries after the war.
2: Yes, no, there's a whole bunch of like, well, after the war's over, what do you do now? And sadly it's not a like, you know, a lot of lieutenant Dan stuff and about how to like live in a in a world that hates you for the services that you were forced to provide.
1: Yeah, there's you'd feel like there would be sort of two tracks. Either, well, you you go career military obviously, mm-hmm. or well, you go back home and are fucked up and can't really,
2: you know, blend into society. Yeah, cuz America stopped taking care of its veterans in the 50s. Uh, but Instead, it's you can go be a mercenary and have fun mercenarying. They have ads for it in the New York Times. Maybe they did. Like in I, 1982,
1: not... did the New York Times have ads for mercenaries? No, maybe not in
2: 1982, but maybe in like 1968.
1: I mean, because I feel like who's doing that? Who's putting out an ad like Mercs Wanted? Come shoot dudes. I mean, maybe if like Cobra was a real organization. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just I'm I'm putting. This in my head as like in one little square you've got like looking for mercs must have own gun please report to whatever for interview and then right next to it is do you like pina coladas
2: and I'm just I like it, if you show up to the interview and they're just like do you have a laser gun yes have you thought up a snake theme nickname for yourself yes well welcome aboard <laughs> I was once a man uh, but. Yeah, a lot of it's about mercenary stuff, and the mercenary stuff is just as random uh, as the rest of the book. it will be like, "Oh, you might get sent to a mercenary mission in the in the deserts of Israel to fight." B- jihadists or something, Uh, they're going to promise you money, but pay you 50 plus 5d10% of that money. And then each month that you're not working, you're going to spend 2d10 times $5 in cash. And if you roll low on that, it's because you found a civilian job and you've been bumming around. But if you roll high, it's because you uh, bottomed out and needed to find a new mercenary job quick before it went up your nose. (laughs) I'm like, that's, it's weird how you, this game is descriptive based on the number you already rolled. So strongly like that, where it's like, roll the number. Now tell the story. Yeah. It takes a lot of both the plot and the character
1: out of the player and the GM hands. So much of this is you roll dice and then see what kind of story happens, Mm -hmm. which isn't
2: a bad. I mean, we just finished playing a one shot game uh, with where it was roll, like pull some stuff and then tell a story based on the prompt creator that that that, that stuff entails well yeah but that's prompts rather than this is specifically what happens that's true yeah um i mean it's really down to the it's down to every sentence there's a part in the game where he's like all right so what do you do now you've made all your characters you have your mos's you have your point man you have your pig man you have your radio operator what do you do well you walk into the jungle towards the village to kidnap a, a a local propaganda man uh and the first guy's going to look forward for, for threats and booby traps. The guy right behind him is going to look to the left. The third guy's going to look to the right. And the fourth guy's going to walk backwards and look behind him to make sure they don't get ganked from behind. And you're like, no? What if we don't? And the other thing that's interesting is, by the same token that all that is kind of prescribed, because that's the way those groups operated, mm. there's a part of the beginning where he decries Dungeons & Dragons for the mapper and shot collar roles.
1: I love that bit, because... He's like, oh, in my game, you're not going to have one person making decisions for everyone else. Everyone plays their own character and makes decisions about what they do. And then they have one guy tell the DM what it is. Yep, I'm like, wait, whoa, hold, could, hold on.
2: He tried to do it, and he couldn't get escape velocity. He fell right back into the orbit of the shot collar. <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. He's like, shot caller is a stupid idea, but I do only want to talk to one of you. <laughs> yeah, there's this idea in these old RPGs.
1: That the position of the person running the game is like somehow sacred, and that they shouldn't be bothered with your
2: shenanigans. Yeah, like, it's it's like they outrank you by several steps. So yeah. like at, like in a job where you're like, "Oh, I've got a small problem, and I, I I guess I'll go ask the CEO," and someone else is like, "No, stop. There's four levels between you and the CEO. Don't go in his office because you're out of pens, dipshit."
1: Yeah, and that's the kind of thing where. This level of reverence for the GM that these old games have where they're like, ooh, if you try and, you know, just ask the GM anything that pops into your head, what are you doing? Don't you know his job is why? It's that of the most impossible and only the purest angels can ever do this. You're like,
2: what? Why? It's 1982, John. Heavy hangs the mullet. (laughs) I... (laughs) But like, but it's true. Every one of these games does that. They're all like, well, the DM's too busy to deal with your small problems. And I'm like, no, he's not. Not in this game. In this game, it's 100% random encounters. He sits there rolling two dice and is like, okay, what do you do? Because I know there's a booby trap. I got no other thoughts. No other thoughts <laughs> do, do, at do, all. Do, 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 do. Eating terrible 1980s pizza. Uh,
1: the <laughs> There are a few other weird things in this. For one... The <laughs> the artillery and calling in airstrikes. Now, normally, even if you are using a map, he was like, you
2: don't really need a grid. You can just kind of like... Throw beans on a table. That's one of my favorite sentences in the game when he's like, he's like, you don't need a map. But in order to create an imaginative forest environment, scatter a handful of beans, dried corn, coins and string and leaves onto a table. And where they land, those are the emplacements of forest and trees and rivers. And I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. (laughs) You're going to roll the bones to see where the...
1: The stream goes. Uh, It's very weird. The fact that he's like, throw a handful of beans Beans. and that's your forest. Okay, (laughs) sure. Did I trade my cow for them?
2: Is that (laughs) how this forest pops up? Obviously, you trade your cow for the magic beans. But then he's like, occasionally he'll mention grid maps and his concept of what constitutes a grid (laughs) is so weird. Well, it's how you can tell that this is someone coming
1: from the tabletop war game because he's like, Hey, so uh if you're going to call in artillery, you're going to need to actually, you know, call in strikes on specific locations, and you'll need to get a little more accurate detail. So for that, you're going to need to get this, like... 100 by 50 foot fucking like
2: there's a point where he's talking about airstrikes and stuff and he's like all right in order to calculate where airstrikes hit in relation to where your radio operator calls them in you're gonna need a 50 by 50 square grid and each grid well yeah it's a 100 by 100 square grid and each square in the grid is a five inch square so he's like yeah what i need you to do is go ahead and build a 50 foot wide piece of paper by 50 foot long yeah As soon as he mentioned that, I was like, I'm sorry, what? I mean, there's a chance that he's talking, because right after that is just some gibberish, which I assume is a millimeter conversion. I guess. Uh, I don't know. It's in huge letters. It looks like art, where he's just like, yeah, you need this 100 square grid, 50 by 50 uh, inches or something. And underneath that, it says like 37.22 millimeter equals .2200 mm millimeters. I'm just like, okay, I assume that's a conversion chart for when you're using those like 20 millimeter uh, lead miniatures that he was talking about earlier in the game. Yeah, Um, I I guess. I also like that there's no, like I said before, there's no mention whatsoever of what constitutes airstrikes beyond just a spread of destruction occurs in in the following area.
1: Yeah, I mean, he does have like a, oh, how much damage does a thing take? And he's like, well, just look up demolition stuff for that.
0: Yeah. Like, what that's, happens if
2: you hit a building with an airstrike? I don't know. A bomb goes off. That, I don't give a fuck. That's a thing we've seen in other super old games where people in, c- encounter a question and then disregard it entirely because it's not of interest to them. <laughs> like, But how does this work? Good question. I don't care. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> that's not what this game's about. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. And
1: I understand that the game is supposed to be fairly lethal. I get it. It's war. It's supposed to be crazy like that. Mm-hmm. But man, everything will instantly kill you in this game. And not only that, you can roll to auto murder someone as well.
0: Yeah. yeah so
1: there's... if you manage to roll under your agility to sneak up on a dude and you've got a garrote or a knife or even your bare goddamned hands, you can roll again under your
2: agility. And if you get it, you just murder the dude. Uh, Yeah, there's also the one in a hundred chance that you will die every time you get out of a helicopter, no matter what.
1: Yeah, that is
0: true. Mm -hmm.
2: If you ever get out of a helicopter, you're going to die at some point. There's a chance that you'll die. I assume it's because you get out of the helicopter and then just jump right up into the blades. Yeah. No, Joey.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to be here. I'm just going to jump
2: for joy. Oh, God. Let me just raise all ten of my fingers up into the air. I love having all my fingers. Oh, no, no. No. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff about h- helicopter deployment in this game, because that was a thing in Vietnam is the slicks where they would land the Hueys and you'd, you'd pile out of them and go run off into the jungle and do jungle stuff. Um, Vietnam War stuff in this game. It's all like, oh, on a one out of a 10 or a two out of a 10, the Viet Cong is watching your slick. Even if you thought it was a cold slick, it's a hot slick. Ooh, this hot slick. I want to get
1: right into it. <laughs> The, oh, the other rule that was ridiculous that we were looking at in the book is the weapons check. So instead of generally tracking ammunition,
2: I vaguely liked this.
1: uh, Vaguely. Yeah. So instead of tracking ammunition, they just say, look, if you're in a protracted firefight where both sides are just freely shooting at the other then at some point you might call weapons check Mm -hmm. As as the MD. Yeah. And when you do, everybody has to roll underneath their alertness. And if they did, it means they've been paying attention and they've been sort of conserving ammo and have been placing their shots. Well, if you roll over it, then you're out of ammo. Yeah. And you have to spend a round just reloading. Now, the other thing they said was, if you haven't actually been shooting all that much, then it's just your gun got jammed.
0: Yeah.
2: I do like that that kind of implies that people with lower alertness can shoot bullets faster. Yeah. Like, over a long period of time, on average, people who, who are bad at alertness can dump the bullets out of their gun at a higher rate. Well, yeah, but, well, I, mean, I, I
1: think it's mostly just they are hosing an area inaccurately with bullets while the people with the high alertness
2: are trying to pick their shots. So they're Jesse Venturaing, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, the yeah. pig man the, is the pig, out there. The Jesse
1: Ventura, man. the pig man. Mm-hmm. Jesse the pig man Ventura, as he was known.
2: Jesse the mind, the body, the pig Ventura. <laughs> <sighs> oh, geez, yeah. Well, I am still can't get over the part where... where the game gives you a special penalty for being stupid, but yeah, the the thing we we kind of skipped over was the post war now you're mercenary stuff. Well, no, I mentioned that. Well, no, because there's the part where it discusses how you became one that I find fascinating. Where there's just a d10 roll. Well, the d10 roll is trying to get mercenary work. Yeah. So like, are you trying to get mercenary work? Is it the post war? We'll roll this d10 to tell you how it happens. Uh, and there's a bunch of stuff like, oh, you saw an ad in the newspaper and you saw specifically the New York Times.
1: Yeah. Or it might be, you know, some uh, uh buddy like big, wi- yeah, some big wig was like, oh, I heard about you and what you did in the war. And I'd like you for this team. Or maybe one of your buddies is like, hey, I'm getting into this merc group. Do you want to join up with me? But three of them specifically in the D10 role, one, three and seven, have a chance that when you go to apply to it, you then have to roll and you have like a 50-50 shot mm-hmm. of whether or not the interviewer likes you. And if they don't, you don't get work. And this is the point where the game actually does say, oh, set that character aside
2: and try uh, with a new character. Make a brand new character and try again, because otherwise you can't go on this adventure, I guess.
1: Yeah. And the I, <laughs> the idea that you would take your character that you've got. And then everyone else goes, Oh yeah, we managed to get into this. And you go, Oh fuck, I fucked up and I can't. I guess I roll up a new character, leave the guy I've currently got on the side. And then after this adventure, I'll go back to him. But you don't, you can't take the XP from the character that you used on that mission for your other guy. So you're just sort of screwed in many different ways one because you have to send an unexperienced guy on the uh, thing because he's a brand new
2: dude and two because you aren't going to get the xp that you would have gotten for sending your other guy now there's something that we really we, we mentioned the large art piece that's labeled luke the gook and everything but we've been kind of brushing over the sheer unrelenting casual chummy racism that this game is made of it's not just yep. <laughs> it's not just that, but it's also like all those kind of mispronunciations. They're like, oh, what's it? what do you call a house in a Vietnamese village? Oh, those are hooches. There's hooches and there's papasans that live in them. Ugh. Thanks. It's uh, it goes on like that, and and then you know that kind of thing is like I, I don't know if this I don't want to call this a real thing because it's still racism, but like historical racism, you know. Ah. Um, uh, it's still bad but but the real problem pops up in this book with the fact that this guy cannot seem to write down a vietnamese name without it being a big old joke yeah there's so many characters he's like oh you have to go re- rescue uh or, or kidnap general poontang yeah well wing ding is over here with ching chong and you're like oh, oh fuck you stop it i hate you so much <laughs> you've got to stop this one who mama son in- who lives in this hooch she'll, she'll go and warn well, Papa, fuck that biatch about you. And, and it's just like, come on, dude, please stop that. Uh, the,
1: the game also, oddly enough, not so much like very front and centered racism like that, but the, if you aren't playing someone who is like one of the, uh, Vietnamese that is signed up to help the Americans, then you are ethnic background American, mm-hmm. and
2: it kind of just assumes you're white it doesn't say anything about anyone else but but yeah, like, I mean all the art the art of this book is if you're not drawn as a a terrifying bald Asian fellow, then you are drawn as a Peter Chungian white guy with way too long of a neck
1: yeah the <laughs> there's a point where it's talking about like language skills, and that if you Have a high enough uh, skill in, say Vietnamese, then you could pass for a local, unless of course they can see you. And I'm like, but what if I'm, what if I'm a Vietnamese
2: American? (laughs) Yeah, I mean those existed and those folks did exist and they did serve in the in the Vietnam War. Yeah, it's just. There's a weird little disconnect for me for a lot of things in there. There's a lot of stuff about if you want to play as the Vietnamese as well. They have them down to three groups. You can play as the Viet Cong directly if you want and just be on the other side. You can also play as uh Nung or uh uh Montagnard. Yeah. Uh which are just indigenous groups that are that are uh opposed to the Viet Cong. Uh, mountain yard being mountain folk, and Nung being a large block of different. The only one I was personally familiar with before reading this book was the Hmong mm. people, but but those are just ways to play it. And even then, it still kind of strikes you as a little iffy. Where you're like, oh, how do you play as these guys? Well, you roll everything the same, but you're like a foot shorter. Uh, and you you can
1: be their interpreter. You better have either someone that speaks Vietnamese or one of these guys with you, or else ooh. You're going to get into a village and you're not going to know what they're saying. So you'll probably need to shoot them all. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> I can't tell what someone's saying. So I'm going to murder their village.
2: Okay. Thanks for the assumption game. So one of the, th- the last thing I really want to talk about with this game is the extremely old XP system. There's okay. The way
1: that the XP reads in this seems like you get XP for not playing the game. Because the way it works out is when you make your random encounter, let's say, you know, it's the two hunters in the woods. It says if you manage to not do anything with that, if you avoid that encounter, Mm -hmm. you get 25 XP, which means your your DM or mission director, your MD, Mm -hmm. is rolling up encounters and the players are doing everything in their power to not
2: play with them yeah you get 25 xp if you don't go into a village
1: yeah he's like oh i randomly rolled up there's a village over here yeah we pass by it
2: peace peace on the village oh there's
1: a there's a couple people on a boat over there yeah we don't even check to
2: see if they've got contraband fuck it we're out you can get more xp for engaging with threats and dealing with them but which one of the things you have to deal with in this game is the fact that you lose xp for damage and if anyone dies you lose all of their value worth of xp yeah it's real garbage
1: because you're like, oh, I've got some hit points, and if I take damage, that's just XP I'm losing.
2: It's really weird to me, the suggestion that if you get shot, you learn less.
1: Yeah. You're like, look, I got shot. Now I don't know what the fuck I'm doing.
2: I, I took away nothing from this experience, guys, except that I got shot in the foot. And I, <laughs> Ouchies. It, it, it does hurt. I remember that. That's that's pretty much what I learned. It was basically a blur of pain and not caring about anything. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a weird thing where the XP system is a little backwards. Um. You, and once you have enough XP, you can buy new skills and so on, so jo- Joey Slowboat can grow up.
1: Yeah, you and I mean, like I said, every rank you get in something is generally 5% more over whatever you had. So if you started with something fairly low, like if your rifle skill started at like 22 like, No, I really want to get my rifle skill up. You can throw
2: XP at it and just keep giving it another plus 5% every time you do it. Yep. Yep. So you can fix your problems. It's pretty, although it does have a, a, a 100% ma- or 99% max, uh, 100 is always a failure. Uh, And also a vast chart at the back called the Combat Effectiveness Resolution Chart, which is just a big list of uh, penalties that you'll encounter for everything from, like, you're firing standing up instead of prone or balanced. That's a minus 25.
1: Yeah, the amount of negatives to what you are trying to do if you are not in perfect conditions is amazing. Mm -hmm. It's just like. Oh, if you're not, like, on your belly or braced against a rock or something, then you're going to lose a whole shitload of accuracy. If the person you're shooting at is, mm, let's say, obscured somehow by mm, jungle, then that's going to be another 15%. Now, if it's anything but bright daylight out, let's say it's raining, uh, that's going to be another minus 20%. You're like, man, even if I had a 99%, I'm still barely ever hitting.
2: Yeah, no, that's true. And he even mentions that in the thing. He's like... Hey, did you know that during World War II, it took 10,000 bullets to kill a guy on average? <laughs> like, for every guy who died in World War II from bullets, it was 10,000 bullets that missed before one got him. Yeah. And he's like, Vietnam is pretty much the same. Uh, it's a little better because there's less people involved, and there's more, like, little jungle encounter teams and so on. But but uh, those numbers still kind of happen. That that People just fill the air with bullets, and sometimes it finds a guy. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's pretty much everything, unless you had something else you wanted to talk about.
1: No, I think that basically covers the game. I mean, like I said, it's fucking like 45 pages long.
2: I'll put two more things in there. You might be wondering about the hit point system. It's equal to your strength. Yay. Uh-huh. You might be wondering about the initiative system. So is the author of the book. <laughs> uh, there, there is a point at one time where he says, like, if your party constantly shoots everyone and treats this game like a big old turkey shoot, you might need to figure out who gets to shoot first to see who got that one guy. Uh, Maybe invented initiative system or something. I don't know. Moving on. I'm not going to. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a great example of the this is of no interest to me. Please, please uh, disregard.
1: Yeah, he really treats initiative as, well, either you rolled under your alertness and noticed someone before they did, so you get a surprise round and go, or you didn't and they rolled and noticed you and they get a surprise round and go. Like, there's very little, like... White room, you find each other, and who gets to go first.
2: Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I guess we'll just move on from there to the uh, traditional ending of all these episodes. Uh, a hearty jump aboard the daddy wagon.
0: <laughs> oh, boy, the daddy wagon! <laughs> hey, John. Hi.
2: John, what would you say is your favorite thing about this game? Uh, Joey Slowbo. <laughs> the, the dumb character we created to explain away a guy who was on a SEAL team extraction group <laughs> with three skills. Yeah. Okay, that's fair.
1: Uh... I mean, I would say probably my favorite thing in this is going to be the rank thing.
2: Yeah, the, the pretty clever way of saying, hey, don't even bother with rank.
1: Because that has always been one of those things. I mean, even way back in our earliest episodes with like uh, the Star Trek game. Mm-hmm. The, that was a big bad one for that. Yeah, with the Starfleet game, you were like, oh yeah, here we go. We've got fucking like our... The whole captain team. and three yeah. lieutenants and a commander, and they're all out here. I mean, technically... I mean, that's Star Trek, but yeah. still.
2: Well, it, it was worse than Star Trek because the that game introduced the concept of the, of the Marines of Star, of Star Trek. Yes. Like, Star Trek itself is normally the Navy, but your guys were... Some of them were Navy, and some of them were Star Marines, and they had their own rank systems. You could have this whole squad of, like, majors who yeah. still didn't get to be in charge of anything because they were on a Navy boat.
1: Yeah, it was... <sighs> There's a lot of weird choices, yeah. And like you said before, all of those 40k alikes mm-hmm. that really want to get into that, and again, you end up randomly rolling, and you're like, okay, here's our dudes. We're even in mech games. You're like, oh, this mech game is going off, and I'm a pilot in a mech, and I'm an admiral, and this guy's general, and this guy's four star major.
2: Yeah, it's weird. It, it's just weird. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I like that. I like the idea that it didn't matter. Yeah, this game does a good job with it. Yeah, so what's your favorite thing? I'm trying to remember the other thing about this game I thought I actually kind of liked, and it's escaping is me it right is Is it
1: the weapon check?
2: I, oh, thank you, yeah. Good job, John. It's the weapon check. Because uh, we've seen that in other games, where the abstract, are you running low on bullets, and in, in, in games that we've particularly enjoyed. I, I would say Gamma World is, yeah. a, is a big single out for that, where it, it works very, very differently. But the concept the underlying concept behind it of who wants to track 100,000 bullets coming out of a machine gun or an Uzi or whatever, when you could just say weapon check and have everybody roll real quick to see if they ran out or not. Yeah. Now, it is a little arbitrary because it's just up to whatever the MD wants to say it, but I, I did like it as a concept. It, it takes some of the extra unnecessary math out of the game.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he does say, you know, if you really want to track every fucking bullet you shoot, you can do that.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. going to stop you. Yeah, but, like, no one was actually doing that uh, in Vietnam. So. Yeah. What would you say is your least favorite thing? I
1: mean, can we feel both free. just go ahead and feel. say it's the casual racism? I
2: mean, there's so much casual racism that, uh, uh yeah, that, that I feel like it's pretty much. Just I'm gonna, gonna go be both say top level, both
1: of us casual racism.
2: Beneath the, that, yeah, that's fair. We got to get down into the like know, obviously
1: that's the worst. Now, aside from that, I'm gonna go with the less casual racism,
2: <laughs> the, the more formal the business racism, racism <laughs> the business racism, executive racism. <laughs> these move from amateur to professional racism. Uh, I'm going to say,
1: gameplay-wise, the worst thing in this is randomly rolling for your
2: skill percentages. Yeah, well, specifically with arms, with weaponry. Yeah, Uh, your chance to hit with a rifle, which is, like, the most important thing. You can't graduate from boot camp without... And they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. You have a a 1% chance to hit with an an assault rifle. Now, get out there and be an important part of our super-secret recon team. Yeah, the...
1: (laughs) The random roll skill thing is real
2: bad, and it also doesn't make any sense that your character be like, "Well, what'd you roll for your chance to hit with an M sixteen? Two percent? Okay, well that's awful, and you shouldn't be in the in in the military. Let alone you in, should uh, never
1: shoot anything. Yeah,
2: but, but but just out of curiosity, what's your chance to hit with uh, a a three fifty seven Magnum? Ninety seven percent? Oh, how, okay. how did that happen? How are you such a good marksman with one thing and such a bad marksman with another? Uh, random roll tables. Yeah the the curve between one and a hundred just this
1: giant set of numbers that you're like, man. Ultimately, there's
2: no curve in this game at all. There's
1: nothing. You're either you know gonna be good or not. And when you roll bad, it's so hard to drag yourself out of that that you might as well just hope that one of the things you randomly roll for is good, and you just lean on that forever.
2: Yeah. Now, the other thing, speaking of curves that are missing from this game, uh, the fact that this ladies. is ladies, yeah, the fact that this is a Vietnam War simulator means there's literally no women at all yeah. uh, at all. The only women in this book that are occasionally mentioned are uh, there d- for racism to let you know that they will. Uh, America, number one, sucky, sucky. Yeah. you get Including right uh, written down diegetic la- or language that's like that. Yeah. You get a lot of the accent in in writing. Oh, America number one, Viet Cong no here, kind of stuff. Yep. Um And then also one mention of a sexy double agent mercenary that you'll encounter in this part of a village. I'm like, Oh what? What is, what even is that in the Vietnam War? Some some lady who's like, I'm white, but I secretly work for the Viet Cong, I-, I guess? The idea that they were like,
1: ooh, let's throw some James Bond shit into Vietnam. I'm like,
2: "You no. No, don't. That work. doesn't work here. No. I know it's because you're running out of stuff to write that isn't just you find some Vietnam Vietnamese people and murder them indiscriminately. But, but uh, hey, please don't put in double agents. <laughs> it's very weird. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Um, would you play this game? No. This game is
1: just so bad
2: (laughs) yeah i don't think i ever say what my least favorite thing is well in the lack of women just more or less makes sense so i can't really fault it for that but uh i mean there's really you you pretty much hit the nail on the head with the fact that the skill system doesn't work and that it's casually racist so i'm fine with moving on i would also not play this game great pretty simple shortened to the point neither one of us would play this it's uh and i i want to call it an interesting piece of rpg history it's I mean, it is interesting to at least look
1: back at one of these much older games and go, "All right, so what was what was going on right now? What were people experimenting with?" What might have been
2: if this kind of game design took off? Basically, Ooh, it looks like
1: people were experimenting with casual racism. Yeah,
2: people really, and were. that really took off. Yeah, sometime in the '60s, and then also every other time, <laughs> forever. Uh, uh, so, John, one of the things that we do here on this show from time to time is that someone might give us 50 bucks. Someone might. And if they give us 50 bucks, then we do something we call announcement mastery. Yeah. Where we'll read something for them on the air. It can be a personal message or a business message. Or uh, a personal so far, business message. So far, it's all been business messages. No one wants us to, like, propose to their girlfriends. I mean, whatever.
1: we did get a thank you to a GM. Oh, that's true.
2: That's fair. We got one. Okay. We've, that's fine. we've gotten stuff. I just want to do a proposal so bad. No one wants no to one use wants us that. as a proposal it's thing. true. I don't think there's any single couple out there in the universe where they both listen to us. Yeah. If uh, there if there is, it's very weird. Yeah. Maybe for Expounded Universe, but not for this. Not like this. Not like these. But anyway, we have one right now. We have a 50 bucks, and we have a thing to read. So I'm going to go ahead and read a thing. and uh, You can critique my horrible, horrible pronunciation. You ready? Yay. Okay, here we go. <clears> hmm. <throat> Are you interested in costumed heroes battling against an unjust world, flashy superpowers, and high-stakes human drama? Of Goddamn right I am. A very satisfying amount of fascists getting dunked on.
0: Yeah! Oh.
2: Fuck you, fascists. I had to make sure I put the pause there to surprise you. Uh, then you might be interested in the Brokusatsu podcast. I might. It's a-, a portmanteau of Bro and Tokusatsu. Uh, with Sam as the relative newcomer and Harry as the diehard fan, these two brothers explore different shows in the tokusatsu genre. Hmm. Every week we watch several episodes of different shows and, finding a surpri- and find a surprising amount of heart in these blatant vehicles for selling toys to children. If you're interested in series like Kamen Rider, Super Sentai, or Power Rangers, you should give us a listen. So far, they've finished our coverage of Kamen Rider Double, Ultraman Nexus, and Garo, and are blazing through Pirates, Sentai, Gokaiger, and Black Lightning. Wowz. Mm. wow so good with occasional specials where we sample other shows and even the odd movie commentary track there's something for everybody except ultraman nexus fans we really hated that <laughs> <sighs> find us on itunes or at brokusatsu.podbean.com podbean. podbean something we should have considered really early on
0: <laughs>
2: here we are stuck on wordpress and we're sorry about the audio quality. It gets better, we swear. I understand that feel. Oh, that's that is that. That is a that's big a feel. feel. That's a big We did like 40 episodes. Where we were both huddled over the same mic. Yeah,
1: having one snowball mic where both of us are like shoulder to shoulder. Oh my gosh, two
2: straws in the mic. It's a malt shop style of recording. Oh uh, yeah, we were just inches away with that spaghetti touching. <laughs> what could be sweeter than when you're recording cheek to cheek? What could be greater than golf with a gator? Yeah. The real problem was when we were recording like that was the dude with the accordion that wouldn't stop. And so it's in the background.
0: <laughs> it's the it's night.
2: The night. <laughs> Every episode has that crap in the background. Uh okay, so uh that should be everything from from those folks. So check out the Brokusatsu podcast once again at brokusatsu.podbean.com and If you would like to have us read your message on the air, all you have to do is go to our actual website, www.systemmasterypodcast.com, click the Give Us Some Money button, and find the one that's 50 bucks. We call it Announcement Mastery. Yay! Because uh, the first thing we called it, Jumbotron, was someone else's whole thing. Meh. We had to change that.
1: Well, we didn't have to. You
2: did. No one was coming after us, but I figured we should probably connect it to our own dumb brand suffix that we're yeah stuck with. brand yeah branding that's, that's how we do things branded send us 50 bucks try and keep it under like three minutes and that's not really because of us that's because people will start hitting that skip button oh yeah so so be cool about fire Yo, safety. My dude be yeah. cool <laughs> there you have it now otherwise on to actual our show business uh go to patreon.com slash systemmastery and give us a god dang dollar <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's right. You'll get bonus content if you do it. Mm -hmm. We're going to go make some characters Mm -hmm. in this game. If you want to know what our random percentages are for things and what kind of dumb shit we get up to... Is someone rolling up Joey
2: Slowboat? Uh, well, I'm sure one of us is going to roll up Joey Slowboat. No. Well, I
1: mean, if neither of us roll shitty on our how many skills you get, we can't be Joey Slowboat. Well, we, take, we might be Joey Fastboat.
2: We could take bad skills. I'll be Joey Speedboats. <laughs> there you go, Joey's Joey Speedboat sounds like a very different guy. Oh, he's definitely a speedboat salesman in yeah, Florida. I was going to say he didn't even go to Vietnam. No, he got out of it on a deferment, and he spent the whole time being a creepy speedboat dealer. Yeah. Joey Speedboat is the kind of guy where you can't tell what his haircut looks like because you've never seen him without the bandana. (laughs) So, yeah, we're going to go make characters in this. If you
1: subscribe to us at the one dollar level, you get to listen to it Hmm? every single time we do this bonus content. You get it and you get our entire backlog.
2: Yeah. And there's a ton of that. There's a ton of old content back there. So, uh, it's about two bucks a month. There are other levels available if you want bonus content for other shows, but, uh, you know, just go to patreon.com and sla- uh, slash system mastery and check it out for yourself. It's, uh, it's a good deal. It's Hell good yeah. Good deal it is. on good entertainment. It's a
1: good deal, Brent. And. Just recently, our stuff went up
2: for Gen Con. You can finally sign up for our things. Oh, thank you for helping me point that out. We did sign up for three Gen Con things. One of them is missing. We have no idea if it will ever make its, show its face. Yeah. But there are two others, and maybe this just gives us more chance to do more casual hanging out at Gen Con anyway, uh, which is all we ever do at conventions when we get right down to it. I mean... We did go
1: to a hot dog place while we were at D and D Live, so it's we have keep we're keeping that tradition alive. The
2: tradition never dies. I we mean, went it, to Dirt Dog in L.A. Oh my God, it was good. Although now I really want to get an Okie dog. Now that I've seen them on the internet, yeah, they look fucking gross, and I want <laughs> one. <laughs> It looks like trash, and I need it. <laughs> did you look at the Okie Dog at all? I did not. Oh my god! Here, let me just real quick. Let me break everything that we're doing and describe to you the Okie no, Dog. Let me just destroy all of our flow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's okay because that's the flow is not something that we are entitled to on this show. That's not what we're about. <laughs> not entitled. John, to I want the you to flow. picture lay out a large burrito sized tortilla. Okay? okay, all right. On once uh, one half of the tortilla, uh, well, just sort of an, a, a stripe of chili cheese, and then into that place a large beef hot dog. Okay. Now fold that over, but not all the way over, to create sort of a, a layered burrito effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, inside of the new the space that you've created, that that's basically another stripe pastrami, loads of it, loads of hot pastrami, and another hot dog. <laughs> Then, uh, fold it up into a burrito, and that's an
1: Okie Dog. Man, that sounds like the world's nastiest hot dog, and I need to take a bite of it.
2: Right? That's the Okie Dog. There's also the Okey Bomb, which is that exact same stuff, but now it's also got, like, onions and sauerkraut and guacamole Oh, it. my lord, why?
0: <laughs>
2: so, uh, yeah, anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt and describe obscure LA hot dog chains. Uh, fuck pinks, am I right? Eh, hey, you are right. Yeah, so, uh. So anyway, Instead,
1: our two Gen Con events that do exist. Yeah, we've got our quiz show that we're doing, Quiz to Mastery. We've got special guests showing up. We're going to be doing
2: panel-style quiz show where uh, the... It's basically Big Fat Quiz, but us, and it's all role-playing game questions. Yeah. I mean, if, if that sounds like a good thing to you, then and you're going to be at Gen Con. And it's for a good cause. It's for a good cause, because we're donating all of the proceeds for that one to Trans Lifeline. Yeah. Uh, because tra- the, the trans community in... Uh, the, the trans, where the trans community and the role playing game communities intersect over the past year, there has been some damage. Yeah, there's there's been some bad times, mm-hmm. and we and we want to do our part. Uh, so, quiz to mastery is is fully going. Everything we make off that is going directly to Trans Lifeline. Uh, but it's going to be a great time. It's not going to be an audience participation. It's going to be letting the folks on stage kind of take my overly complicated quiz questions and turn them into jokes. But it's going to be a good group of jokesters.
1: Yeah, we got thing. A, a good group of people for mm-hmm. that. Yep. And, of course, uh, we have our live show that we are going to do.
2: And unlike most of our shows, we can announce in advance who it's with and what we're reviewing and so on so that you'll know if you want to spend four bucks on it, which we're still keeping our prices crazy low compared to the other shows. in the Oh, network. yeah. I mean, if you look at the other live shows that are out there that you could go to, I'm like, man, we're just giving this shit away. I know. Especially we have to because I don't know how it happened, but we're. We're uh, time slotted up against Ken and Robin talking about stuff (laughs) uh, for that live show. Whatever. Fuck them. Well, yeah, except that that's the any darling. Everyone at the end world loves their boring show about Chicago baseball that somehow is an RPG podcast. Yeah. Why don't they love our boring show that is somehow about Los Angeles hot dogs? Ken, Robin, I think you're both the best, but your show is boring and you both suck.
1: (laughs) I think you're the best, but I think you're also terrible.
2: Yeah. Uh, So what you should do is stop your thing and let us do the plan and then it might be awesome. It's a lot of Star Lord quotes. today. You're doing a lot of Star Lord today. Yeah, I don't know why. He's also the worst. Chris. (laughs)
1: Worst Chris Steakhouse. That's not true. The worst Chris is Chris Brown.
2: Oh, well, yeah, but he's not a Marvel Chris. No, but you didn't specify Marvel Chris. No, that's fair. That's fair. You're right. You got me on You got me on technicality. But back to the show, the live show is going to be uh, we're going to have uh, G- Jim McClure uh a network friend and also I believe uh currently a creative exec at role twenty heck yeah he's gonna be there to join us and we what we I uh, sorry Jim I don't know your actual title I, I don't I, care I'm, about I'm, you at all I'm the, the worst at this we just really like you as a guy you're a because ra- we met him at last Gen Con <laughs> I was, don't care about your business I only want to talk to you no he was the a, human yeah we read, we met him at last Gen Con and he was fucking awesome and we really wanted him to be our guest star and we have for a year and we're super happy about it. Uh but he's gonna be coming on to discuss know your role. And shut your mouth a fucking D twenty officially licensed WWE role playing game. Fuck yes! So uh, if you're excited about that, and you know who I'm we are, excited about oh, that, we're so fucking excited. Uh, th- that's what's going to be the live show. It's completely worth the four bucks. By the way, that four bucks we're keeping. Yeah, that's that's going to the plane ticket. Yeah, <laughs> that part we're taking back. We're taking it all back. <laughs> this is my entry fee, and this, I'm taking it back. This is my four dollars. <laughs> Uh, All right. Well, there you go. That's that's Gen Con. You can find that by Googling Gen Con 2019 and looking for events that have system mastery in them. There's only the two. Come to both. Have a good time. We love you. You love us. It'll be good. Yeah. Support Trans Lifeline. Why not? Yeah. Help
1: out some people. Help out us. Mm -hmm. Help yourself. Yeah.
2: So there you go. Otherwise, I think we're pretty much done. So I just want to thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in the bonus content. And until next time, I hope you have a good week.